Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We have another very special podcast. Friend of mine, Shane Neiman. This is number 124. Shane, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Jeff. How you doing? Hanging in, man. You know, same old, same crazy time, different different times in, in the world and a lot, lot going on. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll no, dive we're in. We're lucky and, that we're both in Miami, for sure. Yes, <laughs> it is uh, It is nice. Miami's kind of one of those spots that's uh, less, I guess, affected or just open and, and moving. So it's nice. I, I got back here uh, recently and, and I'm enjoying it. But uh, why don't we first, you know, again, my podcast, more poker dominant but you know you we've just started embarking on a bit of a poker journey for you and and learning about yes. it. But why don't uh, introduce yourself for those that maybe not know who you are since you're not a po- professional poker player maybe one day but for now tell us who you are what, what's going on i uh, uh my name is shane neiman uh, as you said and uh my the name of my company is called neiman ventures um i'm a three-time three-time tech founder uh i've done uh and, and the last tech company that I did is a company called Easy Texting, uh, which is a software as a service communications platform using SMS. Okay. So if you're familiar with, you know, MailChimp or uh, Constant Contact for email, we do the same thing, but for uh, texting and SMS. Uh, I started that company in 2005. Uh, I built it for 10 years. Uh, and then uh, I, I'm I'm no I'm the founder, but I'm no longer running that company. Um, I'm I'm still you know kind of slightly involved, but I exited. And uh, for the last seven years, I've been doing uh, venture investing, crypto. I've been doing real estate investing, and uh, all different kinds of uh, private equity investments, and you know kind of just being opportunistic, and uh, and also kind of trying not to put all my eggs in one basket and trying out different kind of events. And, and now I'm learning from you about NFTs. So <laughs> we, were, we were texting about that, right? So Yeah, uh, I, yeah, NFT, crypto, all this blockchain, all this space is interesting. Obviously, sports cards, that's kind of more what I'm into. The NFT is interesting with this NBA top shot. I think, you know, it's funny because I've been hearing a lot about it. I just dove in very recently and then you kind of messaged me asking about it and and it's uh you know it's it's an interesting time there's a lot of that going on so i think this is like one of those periods of time in the world that there's a lot of opportunity sort of a new age new new generation new era of investing and alternative assets so it's kind of fun if you're if you're taking a dive, you can really hit some big returns and, and get into the right place with the, the appropriate bet sizing, which again, one of the principles we want to kind of talk about and how it yeah. correlates in, in poker and, and, uh, and business. So you know, I think there's, there is a lot of crossover and, and that's sort of what we want to want to focus on. And just tell me a bit more because this is actually, I know you mentioned this before and I was just looking at the website and I hadn't, I'm not familiar with it, but is this uh, just, is this something like for business or, or like someone? Well, for, yeah, so or, businesses, or yeah. yeah, so businesses kind of use it well, they, they use it to build their text messaging list and, you know, get people to subscribe to their text messaging list. So if you've ever seen an ad where it says, you know, I don't know, text coupon to 313131, right? Those special five or six digit short codes. Yeah. And then you text in and you get a coupon or you subscribe to a service like that. We enabled that. We were actually the first ones uh, and the only ones in 2005 to 
bring that to small to medium-sized businesses and have a, a, a platform. Everybody's kind of familiar with Twilio, uh, but Twilio is a API provider where we were, we're more like a platform provider that allows you to do great things like manage your text list, send out text blasts, schedule texts, uh, receive texts, and do one-on-one texting with your customers, uh, all that kind of great stuff that you can do with email, essentially. Interesting. Um, I'm I'm not as uh, I'm actually not as familiar with that stuff, but I do know Gary Vaynerchuk. Who uh, are you familiar with him, Gary V? I don't know him. No. Okay, so he, he he's pretty big in the social media, and then he he's actually well really big into cards. He just sold his wine company. He's a he's a serial entrepreneur. You probably seen him uh, around. He's just kind of everywhere. But uh, anyway, yeah. I he I noticed is one of the people I've seen like with the text thing where he's like text this number. So it's kind of looks yeah. like this is. And I was wondering, you know, how small or big would it make sense for someone, you know, someone myself, like I, I have some discord groups, I have an email newsletter. Like at what point would it make sense for someone to create a text, uh, texting things? This is new to me. Let, let me tell you something. Um, what was really awesome about the service, especially in the, in the beginning, you know, when we first started, you know, even texting from your phone wasn't that, ubiquitous you know blackberry started coming out you know then and you know came out a little bit before then but right. you know texting was a little bit of a pain uh, but when you know we were educating businesses and people about how to build their text list and it was more of like an educational ramp up but when people and businesses saw the uh the power that text messages have uh what's what's so amazing about it is that Everybody has text messages on their phone, right? They have a tech, it's a built-in app. You don't need to download it. You don't need to create an account for it. You don't need to, you can't turn it off, right? right? Uh, It's, it's, it's got 95 plus percent read rates, which are insane for communication. Uh, You know, not even calling has that kind of pickup rate, right? So even if you call someone, which is the most direct form of uh, marketing or or advertising. So um, I think, you know, if you want your message read and you, and and, you know, Twitter started through text messages. That's why it has a 160 character limit. I don't know if you know know that because SMS is a hundred, you know, old SMS, not, not the new one. It was, it had 160 character limit. So, um, you know, it, it, it just has, it's, it's the most superior form of communication in terms of read rates, in terms of ubiquity. Um, and I think everybody should have it, you know, and platforms like Easy Texting make it really cheap and simple uh, to, to start building one and, you know, managing one. Right. And it's, but so it, is the... Is that something that, so would an influencer, like w- at what point do you think it would make sense for someone to have a text uh, business at what size and what, what scale and like where does it I mean, the, the best thing, you know, it's just like saying, you know, when you, I think it's for businesses, it's like, you know, when you start your business, no matter how big or small you are, you need to have a website, you need to have an email address, you right. need to have a Facebook account, a Twitter account. You need to have business cards, right? Well, maybe not now during COVID because you're not going to see anyone. But, right. you know, you need all of that. And I think that's just another tool in your toolbox is, you know, when you get a MailChimp account to build your email list, you're going to need it to build your SMS list too. And you'll see that that might be one of the most effective tools for you to communicate with your customers, your fans, you know, whoever whoever it may be. Um it's it's 
you should start right away i i think and 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 because I mean, I'm guessing, so what, it's similar to a newsletter. It's just people opt in or out because I'm trying to understand it. Like for me, yeah, like te- you're right. Text, you're going to see it either whether whatever it basically goes there and you're going to, it's very rare you're going to ignore it. I know there's some like DoorDash scams or some other stuff. Like there's been some, some like messages. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. There's like a lot of spam texts, right? Yeah. But, you know, our, our system actually helps with that. The easy texting system and, and, and one similar to it helps with that because it keeps you compliant. It makes sure that people can opt out. It makes sure, you know, it cleans your list, you know, if, right. if the text message bounces and that kind of thing. So it has all those tools that you would need. You know, you can't really run that off your phone. Uh, it's, it's just a much more professional. It's, it's almost like it would almost be like trying to create your email newsletter by sending out a, you know, a BCC email from your Gmail, right? It, right. You can't really, it's not, it's, it's not a professional way of doing it. Right? Very interesting. How did, how did you decide to, to go and, and dive into this particularly? Like what made you think this was a... a- uh, <laughs> so I actually have a degree in computer science from NYU and um, I went to med school, dropped out of med school, went to work for a startup, that was my first job. I, I kind of got recruited out of med school for that. Uh, and we built the first blogging system. So I had a lot of development experience. Um, and, I, and I started another startup, which was an application service provider after that. And that failed. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, about going all in and why you shouldn't. And I have a really good story about that, okay. to tell you the truth. I like it. Uh, Anyway, uh, so, you, you know, I, I and then I built another company called Junebug, which is, uh, you know, it was like an online events company, pre MySpace, pre Facebook, pre even camera phone. Um, and, you know, we kind of went around all the events in New York and Miami and L.A. and took pictures and put all the events on, on, on the website. And we did our own events and we helped brands like Johnny Walker and Mercedes kind of reached that, that, that target demographic. Uh, and one of the things that we did was we sent an email newsletter out to everyone and we were really the first people to do that. Uh, you know, first company, you know, to adopt sending out big email, uh, big email campaigns. When I did that, there wasn't even like a service like MailChimp or something like that to do it. We had to build our own program to send out these massive, amounts of emails and get our own servers in Iraq to do it. Uh, And so anyway, as as time went on with that company, the efficacy of email started to drop because everyone and their mother had an email list now, right? So like the nightclub had the email, the promoter had the email, uh, their own email list, uh, the the theater had their own email list, uh, you know, the, the brand had their own email list. So you know, we're like one of 2,580, you know, <laughs> emails in your inbox when we used to be the only game in town. And uh, in 2005, I'm, I, I kind of sat down and I thought, well, how do I how do I cut through the clutter? How do I get through to people without going into their inbox? And and I, and I, and the idea came up came to me, and I said, oh, let's do it through text. And I started Googling it, right? And I'm and, and software for sending text messages, you know, and, and that didn't work. And then, you know, I tried every kind of variation you can imagine. And I'm like, holy shit, there's really nothing that does this. Right. And I was pretty amazed about it. And given my background, I said, all right, you know, I'm going to figure this out. And I built the first system really for us to use internally for my other company. 
And it was a really expensive endeavor to do that. It was costly, time consuming and that kind of stuff. And I said, you know what, I'm going to kind of offer this to our current clients who were the nightclubs, the promoters, the concert promoters, you know, a lot, a lot of different customers that we had built over the years. And I, and I started giving them access to it. And within a month or two, it wasn't just subsidizing itself. It was like making us like, I don't know, like 10 grand a month in profit. And we're like, we're like, this might be a business in itself. Right. And so we separated it out and I started to really just focus on building a platform for any type of business to run their own text messaging campaign, because I saw that there was a huge demand for it. I mean, I needed it myself essentially for, for our own company. It's interesting. It sort of reminds me, and I think you could almost a lot of businesses that are successful or tech stuff right now, like kind of like Uber too. It's like something that it's something that everyone does, everyone has, everyone uses, and you're kind of making something out of nothing, right? Like something that exists, like there's taxi cabs and now, but it's so annoying, right? Like how to organize, yeah. how do you, how do you, you know, you have to call, you're in a place, like it's just crazy to think that wasn't but a decade ago or less, right? I don't know, six, seven yeah. years ago. Jeff, like, when I started my company and I told people what I was going to do and I bootstrapped it because everyone I would tell, first of all, I needed it for my own business and it wasn't its own standalone business in the beginning. So we kind of, I kind of did that, but uh, when I when I really wanted to focus on it, I wanted to pile a lot of money and time and effort into it and just focus on that. But when I was telling everybody, I mean, everybody was like telling me my my idea was like crap. They're like text messages; those are old. Like you need to be like making you know a texting uh, you know like a, 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 a like like a WhatsApp you know, or you should be like focusing on in app messaging and you know that's the future. But again, like I told you, they were all wrong. Uh, I mean, if you look like, if you look, you know, easy textings, you know, doing like crazy as 150,000 customers on it, right? Uh, you know, generating tens and tens of millions of dollars in, in revenue. And, you know, Twilio is, a, is known for its text messaging API. It's like a $10 billion. I don't even know what I, actually, the, I haven't heard of Twilio. I have not heard of that company. So uh, it's a big public company. And all they do is kind of provide programmatic communication services like, like we do. Right. Uh, uh, and, and so, you know, and texting actually is growing at 20 percent a year. <laughs> wow. uh, and everybody was wrong. Right. Like everybody still uses text messages. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like the. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Telegram, WhatsApp, you know, WhatsApp's gotten some security. Look, people are a little less high on that. And, you know, there's Signal and all these other kind of variations, Discord. But um, yeah. What's your thought on those? Uh, listen, I think those are all great, right? Bless you. Thank you. I think they're. I think those are all great, and they all have their own feature set that kind of caters to a large portion of people. But you know, SMS actually doesn't even. You know, you, you're. You got to think about the rest of the world, right? There's like this whole part of the rest of the world that doesn't even have internet access. SMS works on a cell signal. You don't even need internet. Right. Mm-hmm. So all you need is a signal for your cell phone. And you, you can you can even have, you know, like a non featured handset that's like one of those old Nokia's and you can still get a text. Right. Um, it is like the fundamental like 
app on all phones, right? Yeah. So, you know, that that's the thing is that- It's, it's, it's those- interesting you say that as well. Cause like in 2000, I remember 2012, I went down for a charity event. Like my, my friend, Antonio Sfandiari, uh, I think we talked, you know, him, he won the one drop, this big poker tournament. It was like 18 yeah. million first. It went down, part of it was to go down to El Salvador, Honduras for, you know, to like see how the money in the charity, they raised like five million yeah. charity and this how it was being used. And that like people didn't have running water. Like, like it's crazy how much people, there yeah. were seven, eight people in a hammock, you know, sleeping in a house, but they all had cell phones. Every single person had a cell phone. And that was like mind blowing to me, you know? And like, that's like, and like your point, like everyone, you know, you might not have internet. And I know Zuckerberg was trying to do this thing worldwide with Facebook or get everyone internet, everyone so they have Facebook, these type of things. But really like text fundamentally, that's the way to communicate where you, you know, at that level, you can, you can get- It works with everyone. It's simple. It's 160, you know, like it's not too long, just like Twitter is. You can get your point across. People can reply to it. It, Your phone number follows you everywhere. So if you switch your phone, you can still get the text messages. No one like kind of gets- you know, no one kind of gets rid of their phone numbers anymore anymore because of number portability. Yeah. But in any case, it, it became a you know thing. You know, it was a lot of hard work, right? It was a lot of being at the right place at the right time. So a lot of luck, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, it's it's a really big success, uh, and so you know now. In, in, in Neiman Ventures, what I'm doing is just like, you know, many people in your audience, you know, I'm, I'm exploring new investment types, you know, like crypto and um, NFTs and, you know, even kind of uh, private equity kind of stuff. And so one of the reasons why you and I actually even hooked up is because I want to really hone my skills of understanding odds Right. And figuring out whether or not I'm making a, a smart move. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I've I've read a lot about this and, you know, poker seems to be the, the best analog to real life more than chess, because apparently chess, you know, there's only a finite amount of, you know, moves that you can make and you can see all the chess pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. And in poker, just like real life. You know, you can't read someone's mind and there's a shit ton of things that you have no idea what you don't know about, right? Exactly. <laughs> so there's this all this like blind spots that, you know, you, you have to kind of make decisions through. And, uh, you know, I, I see that a lot because, um, and, and, you know, what, what I was thinking is, and, and, and I kind of have been recommending, I, I do a lot of venture capital seed stage, venture, early stage venture capital uh, investing. And I talk to a lot of uh, founders that are hustling, you know, maybe it's their first time, maybe it's their second time around. And, you know, some of them are young, some of them are old, doesn't really matter. But the thing that, you know, I always recommend to them is kind of reading two books. One is, the Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz, which will, you know, is just kind of sets you in the mental state of being a good person and being happy. Uh, fundamentally, there's always one more of the Four Agreements that's hard for me to remember. I know it's be impeccable with your word, always do your best. Uh, the don't take anything personally, yeah, don't take personally, very, very powerful. Yes, uh, uh. Always do your best. Uh, don't take anything personally. Be impeccable with your word. 
and don't make assumptions. Assumptions, that's big, yeah. Don't make assumptions. That was pretty good. I remember yes, it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I reread it every year, just just so you know. So I just read it in January. So that's how I can remember it. I love it. Uh, and then I always tell them to go and learn poker, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm going down that same path of, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm learning the basics. And, you know, you and I have had like a session or two where you're kind of giving me, uh, you know, some advice about how to think and understand odds and that, that kind of thing. Or maybe even take a probability course. There's these free probability courses on MIT or Harvard right now that you can take. Um, but, you know, for startup founders, they're dealing with uncertainty all the time, right? They, you know, they're like the most uncertain people ever. They could go broke and their their company could go out of business anytime, right? And they're also dealing with, you know, venture capitalists. A lot of them are raising money. And, you know, there's this chicken game going on between venture capitalists and founders, right? The venture capitalist wants to, you know, invest in your company if they like it uh, at the best terms possible. And you want the opposite, right? And so you have to kind of, and you have to convince the venture capitalists that your, you know, your company's worth investing in and that you are a, you know, a responsible person that can be successful and your product yeah. is the next best thing and you know, I mean, all this, these things. This falls into the category of bluffing in some degree, but it's it's like actually there's a term in poker called semi-bluffing. So this is so that there's bluffing, which is like, you know, you're just not telling the truth and it's whatever. So you know, I, I, I know that we were kind of going over some bullet points and sort of this falls into the bluffing, but I would say more semi-bluffing. Like, so a semi-bluff would be where you have the potential. Like if you're, if you have ace high, like ace five of hearts and the board is, you know, jack nine, four with two hearts, like you, you have a possibility of a very good hand because you can make the nuts, right? You could hit the heart and make uh-huh. the actual best hand or you could hit an ace and probably have the best hand because you'd make top pair. So if you're bluffing like the hands over, it's like you're, you're almost like being dis- disingenuous, right? It's like, oh my cut, you're trying to sell yeah. your company but it's not good, you're trying to whatever. So I would say semi-bluffing, which is sort of a, really what it is. It's always, you're betting on the come and what is it? And is it, is it, is it, a, is it this percent, is it that percent? But that, that would be a good way to look at it. And actually it's a fascinating question because valuation seems so high always. Like that people, you know, you hear these numbers and they're ambiguous and there's a lot of what ifs and a lot of uncertainty. So how do you, in the coming from the business world, how do you deal with this, this actual principle? Because it seems a bit complex and there's a lot, you know, it's a big numbers a lot of the time too, which is even, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, it's very hard, right? It's like an art more than a science, right? And a lot of it is now dictated by kind of like the public markets are, right? Because there's so many venture capitalists now. And and now in the game, you know, back in the back in the day, the only game were was like the, the VCs. But now you have these like you know, Kickstarter, which is a, you know, like a, a platform or, or, or Kickstarter-like platforms where, you know, people can start their businesses and, and get people to buy their product before they have it. Mm. Or there's companies like Fundrise that do this for real estate, but I'm sure there's going to be company, uh, companies that do, you know, that raise money for, 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 um, you know, seed round companies. I, there's this guy, Packy McDermott, who's kind of doing this right now. He has an angelist syndicate and he writes this, uh, you know, like this awesome newsletter. He, he, he creates a syndicate and he, he writes all about the company and why he thinks it's a good investment. And then he emails it out to his list and he allows people who are accredited investors to go on angelist and, and 
invest in that particular company, right? Um, and how are the valuations coming through? It's a little bit of basically who's willing to pay the most. It's almost like an auction process, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so, so now there's even family offices that do venture capital, right? There's like, there's, I don't know, hedge funds that do venture capital now, right? Like third and Loeb, who has third, third point, which is one of the arguably like one of the best, you know, uh, hedge funds out there just started his first VC fund. Right. Uh, so there, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a supply and demand thing, right. Uh, which, is kind of scary because that shouldn't be dictating what your company's worth. Right. Uh, it's it's a lot of who are the founders. That's really like for me, it's ninety percent of it, right? Because you know, I'm not sure I, I can have a like a predilection to uh, to a particular product because I think it's cool or awesome. But just like people told me that SMS was shit, you know, like I could be wrong about. A company, right? Like, I thought Snap was like the worst company in the world, and like, look at it, it's hitting all-time highs today, right? <laughs> uh, it, you know, you, you, that you know, I thought it was the world, worst company in the world because I thought the product was really bad. But you could be completely wrong in that. But you know, the founders are good; they're resilient; they're smart; they can figure it out. Um, that's what you're really betting on, and and also, you know, VC is like uh, kind of like. I guess like playing a game, I guess it's not like poker. It's like a little bit more like roulette where you're putting your chips like all over the table. And if one of them hits, it can make up for all the bad bets you made previous to that. Right. right. That, that's also, I think, one of the more interesting principles. And, and I think we're very similar in this. And, and you probably, you know, you have more experience. You've been doing this for a bit longer. I'm 34 years old. How old are you? How old are you? 40? I'm actually 44, so I'll be 44 next month. So you got a yeah, decade no. on me, and, and you know where you you know what I, you see you've seen my mind kind of. I'm all over the place. I got a lot of different little sprinkles of bets, but yeah. it's interesting because I actually I like that r- r- roulette was like my one bad habit. You know, I don't really sports bet. That was the game of choice. I know the odds. It's negative 2.7 percent on a zero wheel, negative 5.4 percent on a double zero. So if you bet 100 dollars on a double zero roulette wheel, you're losing every single bet you're losing $5.40. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's a pretty big yeah. markup. But you know, with the, that being said, you have some 35 to ones, you put on numbers. And I always used to call a thing called smash and cover. So with my friends, we would bet like, you know, we'd have a, we'd, let's say we're betting $500 on a spin. We would put like three chips on, you know, three, five, $5 chips on. We, we'd have like a, a system where we had a lot of numbers. We'd have a few big hits. Then we'd have a few kind of covers where it would like basically cover our bet size. And obviously, listen, I'm not trying to act like I'm solving roulette. It's a negative game no matter how you do it. But there are some strategies in terms of like, because if you always bet the same amount or whatever, you just go broke, right? Like you have to have some yeah. chances at a, at a success. But the point being, it's kind of funny how you know, you, you get business ideas and then there are business opportunities and you sort of invest accordingly. Like I have some, you know, let's call it in units, I'll bet one unit and some I bet 10 or 15 or 20 units. So it's like, you know, it's kind of weird too, like a poker tournament. I might play the World Series of Poker main event, 10K buy-in and win it. Or I might min cash or not cash and then I might win like a $100 buy-in tournament. So like, even though it's the same game, they're, di- you know, the same principle. Sure, there's different skill levels of people playing and it's so similar, but like, it's just funny, right? You don't know which one you're going to win. So like your bet, no, you, no, might, you put no. a little bet and, on and might win and the one you put your biggest bet might fail. One, right? Yeah. So you got to- It's kind of arbitrary. So one of the things you have to do is come up with a system. Um, right. You know, if you're going to really do this as a business, like a real business and, you know, and, and investing, um, 
you know, you have to come up with a system and be very disciplined about it because look, you know, uh, you can be, get really kind of excited about one thing. And uh, like you're saying, you say the Kelly criteria, you could put all your eggs in one basket and uh, get wiped out. Right. Uh, and that that's actually happened to me uh, before. Uh, not, not at, well, actually in investing too, but uh, you know, w- my first kind of attempt at doing a startup back in uh, let's say, 1999, 2000, uh, I, you know, I went, I, I went all in, right. I, 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 I sold my car. I, I had saved up all this money from working before that I put all my money in. So did my partners, just so you know, we raised actually at that time, it was like the dot com bubble, right? So it was, uh, if you can imagine how insane it is right now, it was like a hundred times more insane than, right. than what it just right FOMO. now people are going nuts money's flying around you just like you, you just don't yeah, want to out. yeah you i was like, it's I was like, like 20 22 years old right and mm-hmm. so I, I never done anything like this before other than work for another startup and be their senior you know their, their lead developer and uh you know we started this company and you know bam someone throws us a million bucks you know to invest in us and we've never seen that kind of money in our lives right um and we started we built the product we actually even get some customers. The product was essentially what you can imagine as it was Microsoft 365. That's how early we were about it. You know, you you as a business can come in, get all your Outlook, your Word, your you know QuickBooks or whatever else you use in it. In what we we didn't call it an app store. We didn't even have the name for app store. Then, right. right. We called it in like a marketplace, and you would pay a monthly fee for it. And we called that utilitizing compute, computing, kind of like your utility bill, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of calling it software as a service, which is what you call now, right? Mm-hmm. Then like all these terms like blog, none, none of that existed, right? And anyway, we, we built it and um, we got customers, but you know, we again, the black swan came, right? 9-11 happened, the dot-com bubble burst. And, and, you know, everybody kind of fled and all the liquidity went, went away and VCs wouldn't give us the money that they, they told us that, that they would give us, right? right? They stopped giving it to us. And, you know, I, and I had taken some of the money also during that time and opened like an E-Trade account because E-Trade was the newest thing. I put my money in all these like high flying stocks and that went to zero. I, I mean, like I was like at fifty thousand dollars, and I thought I was completely rich. And I left with like two thousand dollars at the end of it. And you know, I left something that I worked on for two years completely broke because I had put every single set, you know, everything of mine in there to the point where I was like kind of like ashamed about about it. I didn't tell like my my family. I didn't tell my friends. I didn't, you know, like. I, I had to like move in with my girlfriend because I couldn't pay my rent, right. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right? And looking back yeah. on that, was that uh, was that like hedging or differently or you just, because there's something to be said about believing in what you're doing, right? But it's also, you gotta, you know, like this is something that happens commonly in poker where people, especially early on, you know, obviously as you get yeah. older, you have responsibilities, you have, a, you have a significant other, you have a child, you know, it's like we say in poker, if you come in right now, like if you were to start poker right now, you, it's a yeah. lot different than if you start when you're 18, because like you really yeah. are risking not. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna keep something on the pot on the side so I live. Right. If 
you know, Armageddon happens, right? But so this was a valuable uh, yes, lesson. I mean, I mean, it sounds like it was something that was maybe even uh, it could actually work out for the future as, you know, you've obviously had some, a lot of success, which you, you learned some lessons, you took some shots, learned what worked, what didn't, and also maybe to not have that feeling again. And, and you know, I to, to remember like what that felt like to kind of go back. Listen, to time heals and time makes you forget. So I've done a lot of dumb shit since then. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I and then I get, you know, punched in the stomach and it reminds me uh, every so often to kind of get my head on straight. Um, and, and think about it. But, you know, this is what I also like about, you know, poker and what you've been actually teaching me is that, you know, it's like this fine line of being resilient enough that the blows that you take don't knock you down forever, right? But you also don't become so scared that you don't take a risk when you see the odds are in your favor, right? right? And that's a really hard thing. It's, it's like this emotional agility, right? Or emotional intelligence that's even more important than being smart or working hard or any of those things that they say founders should do, right? Uh, it's like 95% of it is not just going batshit crazy because, you know, you go through this emotional roller coaster. I mean, like, just think about when you're playing a poker tournament. When you lose, right? How are you keeping yourself even keel and not letting that fuck with your head, right? Yeah, it's 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 very difficult. I think that's one of the best things is, you know, to be able to keep your you got you got to stay even keeled. Like, you know, you hit a lottery, you hit a big score, you get a, like a ridiculous return or whatever and it's like easy to get excited, spend a lot do stuff and be kind of be you yeah know, on the other side of it right yeah, on the other so, side so, of it. You, know, you become overconfident yes. right and when it goes you're like really, the best poker player in the world <laughs> yeah and when it goes really wrong you know it's uh it's also important not to get too down or negative and depressed or whatever so like this is a very you know i think this is a great great thing to be able to have not be results oriented and also you know also there, some people really respond differently some people have uh they have a difficult result or event and they're able to to bounce back and come back stronger, harder and motivated. And some, you know, take a hit and they get they get shy and and embarrassed and, and upset and, and, and it can really go the other way. So you know, those are some things that I think kind of intangible attributes you have as a person that are not, you know, not always it's just kind of what it is, right? You either you have it or well, you don't. What do you do? What do you do? Like what are some of the techniques that you use to kind of not let yourself go either way? Like well, do you have any tricks or tips or something that you do? I mean, the, the the biggest thing I would say is that I bankroll management, you know, like this is kind of something I've just done from day one, you know, and maybe I could be mm-hmm. a lot further along or I could have been further along earlier, but I just never was mm-hmm. really willing to go broke. So like, you know, I came in, started at the small stakes, the games were very soft, did well, but I didn't rush up. Like even when I gathered some money, I didn't just like take my whole role and go sit at the biggest game. It, even if I thought I had an edge because I didn't want to like go all the way to zero. So I never really did that. Um, almost, you know, I was pretty risk averse. Don't get me wrong. I did take some chances, but some of those chances were in tournaments where I still was only risking a certain amount. And then if I lost, it would be that, but the upside was big and I hit a couple tournament scores and, you know, got a bankroll going. But like, I, I've all, you know, I would sell action. If I thought a game was really good and it was a higher stakes, I would sell action. There was times where I was staked, right? Like for a big game, like let's say it was a massive game that I wasn't ready to play on my own. I would have, I was fortunate in that way too, that I had friends or people that would buy a piece of me or even give me really good deals where like I would have no risk and get 50%, right? Which is mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Like, you know, to risk a hundred grand, 
Those are great bets. You know, like you, you make more that, bets where the odds are in your favor, and the yeah. downside is lower than the upside. Right. You know, the so, upside is lower, uh, much higher than the downside. And, and I mean, I think that's again, that, that's but that's partly, I guess, the biggest thing I would say is bankroll management. However, that means for you is to not put something that's gonna the gets gonna affect you impact your life in a really negative way if it uh if it doesn't go well and, and have kind of had your backup or yeah but you know yeah you know jeff just just to be kind of like practical about things right like it you know even though you know you might lose to the extent where you're you know you're still going to be fine it still pre- feels pretty crappy to lose right right and it, it shifts your mindset like you're gonna have a really bad day that day like you know for me uh, I have a few techniques that whenever I kind of see myself going into crazy land, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, having, you know, incessant thoughts and, you know, re- reiterating what I did wrong over and over again in my mind and not sleeping and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. even if it's not like a catastrophic loss. Right. Um, I feel like, you know, what is it like? Do, do you have like some sort of mental trick that you do where you're when you're in the tournament and you're like, let's say you have a losing streak, right? That you know kind of keeps you even keel and not kind of go spiral out of control in, in your mind. I mean, I, I do work with mental coach, a couple guys, Coach Bauman and Elliot Rowe in particular, like which which helps me, but obviously they're not always, you know, available. I'm not like talking to them during a tournament all the mm-hmm. time. Sometimes I'll try to have a call with mm-hmm. them before uh, it starts or just being a good routine. But uh, I, I think, you know, really it's just being focused, being present. I, I try to take deep breaths and just sort of uh, realize, you know, I always like to think worst case, you know, it's like start thinking about like what what's the worst that could happen or, you know, and so mm-hmm. in the tournament I've already sort of visualized, you know, busting or not getting knocked out. Yeah. And honestly, it's, it's more so too that I have a wife who's uh, very results oriented, which rightfully so, like that, you know, yeah. like I, I come home and I bust a tournament. She doesn't care that I had Kings and the guy had ace three off and I'm, you know, 70% and the guy hit a lucky card, like I'm out of the tournament. Like, it's like, how, why are you here? Why are you, you know, I thought you weren't free tonight and now I'm free, like what she's happy yeah. about, but then not. So it's like, you know, you have to, you have to already like have it predetermined and understand that what, what's realistic, what's going to happen and things don't always work out. And I think that makes things a lot easier than if you're, you're you have false yeah. hopes and stuff. So I think it's, it's just a lot about mental preparation i agree with that you know two of the things that you said i kind of do too right like one is there's this there's this exercise that i learned from i know this is like kind of cliche because like tim, everybody listens to tim ferris but right. uh, you know tim ferris like when his early you know podcasts he did this whole thing and he, i think he did a tedx about it is this fear setting exercise that he does where he kind of lays out all his fears and then uh, you know, kind of goes through the worst case scenario and like the likelihood that that would ever happen and, you know, what he could do to mitigate the worst case scenario. And then, you know, you kind of almost live the worst case scenario in your mind. Right. And it's not that bad anymore. It's like, it's some something that comes from stoicism, right? It's, 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 it's a stoic philosophy kind of situation. Yeah. Oh, I so powerful. I found that That's powerful for it's sure. super helpful. Yeah. Right. And, and it seems like you kind of do that automatically a little bit uh when you're doing it yeah and the just, you you want to be prepared you want to be understand what you know the high the, the, the yeah. highs and the lows are and what you know again not get too too caught up in the result and and uh that results oriented i think that's a that's a huge thing and something that um you know i think that, yes. uh, that that's a lot of people are you gotta be in it for the long haul right the long haul is yeah, like you, you know the, in. the long haul you know at any given time you could get unlucky 
And even if you do everything right, just get unlucky, right? And a lot of founders need to understand that, you know, because a lot of them give up, right? But the, 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 they might have an awesome idea, idea, be an awesome founder, you know, do everything correctly and just have bad luck, you know? Right. And bad luck happens to a lot of people. And they have to be able to get up and pivot or start again from scratch, uh, you know, it's it's very hard to do, but if you're good at that, that makes you a good startup founder. I, I mean, it's honestly, it's it's fascinating too, because this is such a common principle in poker too, and it's actually in tournament play. After a sample size, like it's, you know, variance, right? Like variance is a real thing. Mm -hmm. It's variance in life, variance in poker, but you could play a year of poker every day, let's say, or five days a week of online tournaments, mm -hmm. play 10 tournaments a week, and it's all about volume. But at the end of the year, you could be losing money as a winning poker player. And that's tricky because then you want to look at it and you say, wow, like, am I playing bad? Am I running bad? And it's a bit tricky to know. And that's the same thing in business as well. Like, it's not, you know, you could have the greatest idea. Maybe you had a bad CTO. Maybe you had a bad marketing department. Like, there's so many what ifs. Or maybe COVID hits and it ruins your business. Yes, exactly. You know? So then, like, that's actually an interesting thing as well right now with COVID is, like, I feel like it's almost a cop-out in some ways because, you know, you could say, oh, like, it didn't work because of COVID. And that may be true. Maybe you have no chance of succeeding. But also, maybe you could have got a government grant. Maybe you could have done something differently. Sure. Maybe you could have pivoted to online or delivery. Or maybe you could have uh, found, you know, whatever. There's, like, a lot of ways and a lot of – it's easy to just kind of cop out and say, oh like this happened and i'm like this, this I, I totally agree and I, I, I have you know i come from i i was born in brooklyn i grew up in new york city uh you know i grew up in long island and then moved to the city when i was 18 uh and you know i i have a lot you know new york city got really crushed in this mm -hmm. thing i have a lot of friends in the events business because of my previous business and i saw those guys hustle they switched to selling masks, to selling gloves, to, you know, I don't really even know. Like they were like, I was part of this crazy WhatsApp group. Everybody was hustling and finding new things. They became real estate agents. They did, you know, they did whatever they needed to do to pivot and, and kind of ride out the bad time. Right. Uh, and I think so, you Jason know, Strauss, Strauss, we both, you know, you've, you were talking about this, right? Jason, you know, from, you know, Tao. Yeah, I know from a long time ago. Yeah. I know from high, high school. High time, school, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, a good friend of mine and, you know, unbelievable what they've done. I know they sold out, sold a decent chunk to MSG, but, you know, Tao, Lavo, uh, Marquis, these type of places and, 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 you know, really industry hit hard, but you're staying on top of it, really being alert, knowing how to. Yeah, they do this meal delivery kit. Yeah. You know, they they New Year's Eve at home with right. a comic, virtual. You know, they're really smart. They they, they figured it out. Who knows whether that's actually working or not? But you know, at least they're right. trying. Yeah, they're they're, they're they're aware of conditions and and, and circumstances. Yeah, so that, that's that's one thing. And then the breathing. It's crazy because when, you know, when March rolled around and COVID hit, uh, you know, I you know, just like everyone else, I was freaking out, right? Like, right. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. A lot of things in my businesses went down. Uh, you know, I, I, I own a lot of real estate, so my tenants stopped paying me. Um, you know, stocks went down. Like, everything was, like, kind of falling apart at one time, right? right. Not just for me, but for everyone, right? And so, you know, I kind of took a little bit of a breather and, and I wanted to get my mind off things. And I started watching Netflix and I, and I saw this episode of Goop about this guy, Wim Hof. Uh, have you heard of him? Of course. Yeah, the breather, yep. Yeah. Okay. So I watched this thing 
and just to kind of preface this, I, I, before this, I had like years of debilitating back pain, like crazy back pain that I tried like everything and spent tons of money trying to fix my back. Just couldn't do it. Like every step I would take would hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. And I watched this and he's like, Oh, if you do this breathing, it can like, you know, fix your whatever. So long story short, I do it. It works. I do it every day now because like my back is completely like perfect. But what this has to do with everything is that the secondary benefit that I saw by doing this breathing is I'm like a lot more calmer and even healed all I'm nicer. I, maybe because my back doesn't hurt. Maybe I don't know, but it's like totally. And, and every time I see myself going into that spiral, you're right. Like the, the, the breath is if you can control your breath, right. You can control your mind. You can control your business. You can control yes. your life. That kind of thing. I agree. The you have fortitude to do it. That's right? a good. That's a really. My wife had told me about this. I've seen him. I have. You know. I can't say I actively do that, but I do think that that like that's like breathing in general. It's just kind of good for for overall and helps you sleep too at night. I think if you're like taking deep breaths and do the yeah. counting stuff. Like I started this new one. That, I don't know if you know this guy Ben Greenfield. Uh, ben Greenfield yeah. Fitness. He's he's kind of really famous. He's he's this biohacker, age right. hacker. He he made this book, which is like an encyclopedia of anti aging okay um, he's very he's like you know he's like one of these kind of social media stars that does a lot so of different I'm make a note of it yeah he's so so he I, I listened to one of his podcasts and he, he 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 talked about this thing box breathing and I've been trying that and it's crazy you just basically breathe out slowly four times hold your breath for I mean for four seconds and then you hold your breath for four seconds you breathe in for four seconds, hold your breath for four seconds, and then repeat. What's his name? Ben Greenfield. His his uh, his his thing is Ben Greenfield Fitness, uh, and I just bought, ordered his book, so I'm reading I'm, I'm reading it. He's um he's 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 he's, he's famous. I, you know, a lot of people know him. He's yeah. a very, very famous podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check him off and make a note about check him out and look at note Wilm Hoff. Yeah, well to check that. But well, I want to say one of the other things just to kind of answer your question as well about what helps me in poker is when I do look at because one thing in poker is common is bad beats, right? People take bad beats. You lose ace king, ace queen, which feels like oh how could it happen? But really, it's like seventy five twenty five or whatever, right? So you're gonna lose one out of four times, but it feels like it's personal. Like how could that happen? It's like I have the best hand and I'm supposed to win this, and this is a common hand in tournaments that just happens. Where like ace queen is a pretty good hand ace king is a very good hand you get it the money goes in when the stacks get short right we talk about big blinds you know you start turning mm -hmm. deep it's not just going to be all in but when you get down to 20 30 blinds ace queen you know you're happy to get your money all in because you're shortish and like so whatever so like this is a hand you may lose and then it's easy to say like oh why me or i'm so unlucky but then i think one of the things that helps the most is you start looking at other areas of your life whatever that might be you're married or you have a kid or your family or you have your health you have your house you have an apartment you have a car you have a dog you have you have things that gratitude. Friends, like gratitude right? what are you grateful for and this is like this to me ultimately is like in the moment when you talk about poker or you talk about business or something when you have something that doesn't appear to go right you got to think like all right there's a lot of things that are like this is just a small blip and you know it's just very easy to be to be jaded and to be to be not it's aware this is like something that get instantly brings me back to reality when i then think of other things in my life that are positive that i think is a nice 
kind of hack on terms of feeling unlucky or um, whatever. And that's something that's- For sure. And it kind of brings you, it shifts your perspective. It yeah. shifts your perspective back to what's, you know, and that that's actually happened to me, you know. Uh, it, it's funny that you say, you know, you, you, you play this amazing hand where you think it's like a sure shot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I do, like I said, I do real estate investing. You know, I, I did some investments in, in New York a few years back that were multi-year projects, um, like one in Dumbo where I did the Watchtower, um, which is like, which was arguably like the most coveted uh, section of New York City. It, it, was, it was a home run. If you told anyone it was a home run, this is the best real estate. It was, it, it, it was commensurate to gold. Could you imagine that, right? And so, you know, WeWork was going to mass release it. <laughs> and, you know, one month before that, WeWork blows up. And then someone else is going to lease it. And then COVID hits. And now no one's going to the offices anymore. Right. You know, something did, did that was we work, a lot. Did WeWork we go uh, under or like out of business or what happened with that? Or just. No, they're not out of business, but they definitely didn't go into new leases. You know, they. Right. They, they, right. Yeah. You know, they, they got like an internal blow up. Right. Um, so, you know, they, they've actually been cutting back, you know, and COVID really killed them too, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, it was like, I don't know. It, it, if, if someone told me that my, what my, to, to gauge what the odds of success of this was, it was virtually 100%. Right. And, uh, you know, prime New York City real estate, you know, and, now everyone's flocking to, from New York City to Miami, right? Yeah. And no one wants to be in New York City, which is crazy. Right. And, and these are things that you can't just like, it happens. And <laughs> if your position, you know, things don't happen overnight, you can't just like click a button, get out, move to another. It's like, it, there's a lot of luck in that. I mean, again, variance, let's talk about, let's talk about odds, you know, like a two outer with one to come. If you have aces, I have kings, you know, pre-flop, that's a four, it's a cooler. Yes. That's like a super sick cooler. Like, can't blame you for going on. Can't blame me. I'm 80% favorite with aces. We go to the river. If if the board is clean, right? Let's say it's deuce, deuce, you know, seven, nine. Go one more card to come. The river card. Do you know what? Do you know what two outs with one card to come is? What the percent chance are chances? Uh, no, but I'm I'm. I'm... I hope you teach me yeah, right now. It's four point five percent, two outs. Let's say even you have one out. Let's say someone else burned a king. It would be two point two percent. So like that seems impossible. Let's say this other guy folded king five, right? A random folded yes. king. There's one king left in the deck. Boom! The river hits a king. Two point two percent. It feels like it's rigged. It's impossible. But that's that's gonna happen two out of a hundred times. It's not impossible. Stuff does happen. Let's take Tom yeah. Brady. You remember the New York Giants Super Bowl where like the the Patriots were undefeated. Going to the Super Bowl, they had won every game in the regular season. They were in the Super Bowl winning at the end. Eli Manning, the Giants, he throws that pass. He scrambles. He should have been sacked four times. The guy catches on his helmet by an inch. They go on and win the game, okay? It's like, this is an <laughs> impossible loss. Like, it's impossible, and, and, yeah. and it happens. Look at Brady then. Look at Brady in, in Texas. I was at the game. It was 28-3. to three. Going at like halftime, ESPN.com, 99.7%. 99, not 97, 99.7 out of a thousand times are going to win three. I think that's what the math is, right? 99.7. He did it. They won. If it can happen, it will happen. And you have to be prepared and understand that. And look at the variance. Brady should have won that other game and he got another chance in the same Super Bowl as a huge underdog and got lucky there. Variance. Be there, show up, put yourself in position to win and good things will happen. I mean, that's that's really what it's It's, about. It's really funny because just 
like, again, that's like a really good example. I mean, you know, look at the lotto. If you look at the back of your lotto ticket, it's like one in a billion chance that you'll win the lotto, right? But people yeah. win the lotto all the time, yeah. right? It's like the, 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 the odds of you winning lotto is less than being hit by lightning, right? And yet people win the lotto. Yes. <laughs> uh, they win the Powerball, right? Someone won the Powerball and won like a billion dollars recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The odds of that is crazy. I, I, and, I, it's funny, last week uh, I hit a, a daily fantasy score. So like, you know, DraftKings for golf. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. my buddy Mike and I were splitting uh, some action and we put in $3,000 worth of action and we won, you know, 88 grand or whatever, 83 wow. grand. And we actually were winning more. We had the number one and number two golfer in the final. They went to over to the playoff. We had both. Against we, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's like, there, there was a 1,300 person field that we took second in and we actually lost on the last thing based on how they finished and we won a tournament. Like, but this is luck, right? Like, I'm not a, I don't, you yeah. know, there's some skill with picking some players and some stuff you can do, but ultimately you're betting on like, you know, whatever. And, that, and that's just pure luck, right? Like, it's just kind of crazy and you can't control and the guy misses a birdie or he gets sick or this and that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just kind of... That's why you got to stay even keel. You know, yes. you can't let one thing make you overconfident or get, com like, go into complete despair, you know? Uh, um, but, like, Jeff, what is the, you know, what is, like, the one rule or kind of motto or something you you live, work, and kind of live your whole life by. I, I mean, one thing my dad taught me, which, you know, my, I'm very lucky. My parents are very supportive about like poker and kind of how I went, where I just sort of transitioned from college into still playing some poker and had a score That's and really just sort cool. of went. So, which is great. But my dad, you know, something that he taught me and, and just something, you know, he didn't make this saying up, but, you know, basically it's not about what, re it's not about what happens, it's how you react to what happens. You know, I think that has like really st stuck with me because like so many times, like I can just look at like situations that, you know, whether Black Friday for poker happened, they closed game gaming like they, they all of a sudden woke up you know doj shut down the poker sites you went to it your money was frozen like for a bit and you know now i was playing online poker living with my friend i could be anywhere in the in the country and go play and now i couldn't so it's like all right what do i do do i move to canada or mexico or what happens it seemed like the worst thing ever but it turned out to be the mm -hmm. biggest blessing i started getting back in shape i started traveling more playing live games and you know ultimately changed my life where if it hadn't gone that way the path I was on would be all different. So like stuff like that, or, you know, getting broken up with, or, uh, you know, a bad luck in a tournament or, or a business idea that I was going to invest in that would have hit like a hundred X or 200 X. Like I could add a 1% of DraftKings. I think I told you this with Jason Robbins. Mm -hmm. I was investing with my buddy, Bill Perkins mm -hmm. and Dave Silverman didn't end up getting it. Would have been like a infinite X, but maybe I wasn't ready, you know, 2013. Maybe mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to have all this money uh, or mm -hmm. whatever. Like you just don't know. So it's like, it's not about what re happens. It's how you react and that to me is like so it's cliche it sort of like makes sense but it's just like i use that all the time and when bad things happen i kind of dig in deep i sit down i process it and i think okay how am i going to be better how am i going to move through this and how am i going to you know snap out of this and do that. my best that's my best that. thing so. i love that you know like that, that we were just talking about covid it's the same thing right there are people who you know used it as an excuse to give up and there are people who you know, made the best of the situation, uh, just just like you were you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I have a very kind of similar motto too. And uh, you know, mine is basically like always be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like constantly keep yourself uncomfortable because 
you know, it's too easy to become complacent and, you know, not make the best of the situation and, you know, not try new things because you're comfortable in what you're doing right now. Uh, you know, whether it's in your personal life, you know, with your, just like you said, you know, you got yourself in shape, you know, that's, that's, that's getting uncomfortable. It sucks. You know, you get sore and you gotta, you gotta, you know, you sweat and you know, you gotta change your stuff. Right. And it, yeah. you, you gotta be like constantly doing that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, like even for me, you know, doing podcasts and the first podcast I did was sucky, <laughs> you know, I'm sure the same was for you. Right. Yes. And, but you, you did it and you got yourself uncomfortable and now you're comfortable doing it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also just taking, taking that first step. You know, it's so easy to say, Oh, the month is, I'm going to start March 1st. Oh, I'm going to start new year's resolutions. Oh, I'm going to like do this after I get my camera to the better camera to start. Like, no, if you want to start a podcast, if you want to start a Twitch, if you want to yes. start YouTube, just do it, throw it up. I mean, I look at my first YouTube video and it was just trash. Like I was experimenting and the same thing with Twitch. Look at my, my first podcast. You know, now I have a better background. I got a case made. I got a better camera. I got a better microphone. But when I started doing it, I just did it. I, I go look at my first thing, the green screen, the, the how it looks. It's like, it doesn't look right. It probably sounded funny. Talk way too much, which I still do as a podcast host, but it's my, the Twitch stream but it's always improving you know like if that's what it's about i just do it and then it goes don't worry about oh am i gonna get a sponsorship deal oh joe rogan did make out a hundred million dollar deal who cares i don't know i like doing podcasts it's fun it's good and like if, if i end up getting picked up or getting some ad revenue and stuff like cool like that would be great and but that's not my goal like i just want to do it because i love it i enjoy it and i enjoy the process and that you know start take that first step i think that's again easier that's one of those cliche things but it's just so many people are yeah, willing no, to do it it's one of the fundamental rules for yeah. founders of companies too, you know, like that, that's the thing, you know, these, these sometimes founders, they get so caught up in the things that are unimportant or the details that don't make sense. Like, Oh, what color is my logo or what's the domain name that I'm going to use? Or, you know, what's the website color is going to be, <laughs> you know, like right. all these like things that, you know, just get the damn website up and put it on some domain and, you know, like just pick a logo and move on. Right. Like don't, don't harp on it. And those things aren't going to, you know, those things you can change, you can develop, you can, you know, you, you can get better at over time. But the, 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 the important thing is to do it and to constantly do more and build on top of what you've been doing. I, I got to right? flash over this real quick. So last week I told you in Daily Fantasy, my buddy and I, we, we, we hit a lineup this week. If it yeah. ended right now, we'd win 151 grand. But it's, uh, we're in first place in this uh, in this uh, $3,000 buy-in uh, tournament, okay. 100 grand to first. But it's super, super early. But we have got a... Uh, a lead in the field which is pretty, pretty nice. exciting. it's early this is like you know this is like in a tournament on day one and you know the first couple out like four hours but still it's uh it's well, nice. all this can change in one second right of course <laughs> of course I, I mean last uh you know last week uh i don't know how i can see oh history yeah so i can see last uh seven days so like last week we ended up like i said we we ended up winning you know we took second out of 1300 in this tournament, uh -huh. and we took first out of out of five five five. Um, pretty sick. We lost on the last play of this tournament. Um, I think there was thirteen hundred entries, and we got got second place in this out of uh, 
you know, whatever. But um, anyway, yeah, 1,266 entries. We took second and then we won another one. But this is purely, this is like, they actually, the funny part is Daily Fantasy copied, um, they copied poker. They use multi-table tournaments. Same thing, a buy-in, set them out thing. They do single table. You can do heads up. You can do double ups. You can do nine person, 18, 27. So they actually uh, copied the model and, and is genius how they did it. But again, this is like- That's why you're so good at it. That's why you're so good at it. I'm maybe. honestly, this is like my no, buddy. Yeah. My, my friend is the one, uh, my friend is the one who's, uh, he's like makes most of the picks and stuff and he's into golf, but um, I'm, I mean, whatever, I'm, it's fun, it's fun. There, yeah. And there are sites and analytics and there is a lot of work with it as well. Like, you know, just like anything you can do, um, yeah. you can do some stuff, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so like, let's, I, I think, you know, I really like this uh, about covering kind of uh, how, how it applies in business. And I think we really hit some interesting points and in, 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 in yeah. talking, but okay. understanding the odds and, and also, um, you know, we're talking like Kelly criterion, that kind of bet sizing and outcomes. Um, what, what would you say? I, I just want to touch about your company when you sold it. How were you able to, uh, to kind of leverage the, the, the sale? Like how did you, for um, what was that? Easy texting. How did you say, okay, we have this many users. This is what we're doing. This is monetizing. Were you able to get the valuation you thought when you sold your, your piece? Um, you know, everything in retrospect, you know, changes, right? I think I did as well as I possibly could have at that time. But, um, you know, if, if I were to do it over again, and knowing what I know now, could I have possibly gotten more? Maybe, but that, you know, they could have walked away too, you know, but just like you said, the other, the other, uh, you know, unknown factor of not knowing what your opponent is thinking, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a very uh, intricate song and dance that you have to play um you know ultimately it has to come down to what you think is reasonable and what you can kind of live with and it's somewhere in the middle kind of like i guess litigation (laughs) if you think about it right like everybody kind of leaves a little bit disappointed but they're happy it's it's done right uh so you know you know, SaaS companies, obviously, I, I sold my company in 2013, are, are, are valued very differently now than they were, you know, seven or eight, uh, eight years ago. Uh, they're, they're worth a lot, lot more. Um, so in, in retrospect, you know, had I held, would I be in a different place? Maybe, uh, but I would have lived a totally different life <laughs> in the last eight years. You know, right. I had... I, I have two kids, I have a wife, I moved to Miami, you know, maybe a lot of those things would have never happened to me uh, had, had I stayed. Uh, who knows? I, I right? got to ask you this too about taking off the table hedging, right? What, what is like Bitcoin, crypto, let's say you get in an early time or NFT, top shot, you hit some returns. Uh, let's look at sports cards. You know, I've gotten into sports cards. Take yes. for example, I told you I'm excited about it. The market's hot, it's pi- it's pumping. And there's been some similar to Bitcoin, there's corrections, like right? it was up, Bitcoin's 58, it was down to 48, it's back 50. It's probably like, it seems to follow a pattern. It's you so believe funny, it. my friend's asking me this a lot. Okay, yeah. so how do you decide? Like, all right, I got a 20, 30, 50X return. Should I cash out? Cause you've gotta be, in my opinion, it's like, you need to be realistic. All right, you know, I hit, you bought a $300 card, it's, it's 22 grand. Like, 
it's probably a good time. You might want to sell it or take some off the table because at some point, you know, it could correct. Other things happen, new things change. And then you can't, as long as you can say, okay, if I sell it now and it goes to 50, you know, it doubles from here, yes. I'm not going to be upset or cry or you take a fraction of it or something. Cause like you got to take some gains at certain points. It's tricky. I got, I got an answer for you. Okay. And you know, it's, it's not a great answer, but it's my answer. And it's what I do. Um, it's, you know, the, the thing is, is that you just never know. Uh, and for me, and each situation is different. Everybody's situation is different. So if you, so I bought Bitcoin in 2012, actually. Uh, I, I had a team of developers. We had a big team in Ukraine for easy texting. I went to Ukraine and one of my developers was like, look at this, this is Bitcoin. And, and he's like, you need to buy this. And I'm like, all right, I'll, put a thousand bucks into it or something like that. Right. And, you know, like I bought it at some crazy low price of, I don't even remember what it was. It was like 10 or 20 bucks at that time. I, I, I yeah, really don't dis- remember. Disgustingly low for sure. That was like, yeah, early, it was, early. it was crazy. And then like it hit like a thousand bucks and I sold half of it like a schmuck, right? Like four years later or something like that. And I was like, Whoa, you know, this is like, this is never going to go higher than this. Right? <laughs> and, um, I never bought it back, right? Uh, but thankfully, I, I I kept the other half, and you know I am not complaining in the least bit. I am very thankful, and I'm very fortunate that that, that happened to me. Um, but you know, as it continues to go up, and you know, I'm friends. I, my friends are and I are in a WhatsApp group for crypto, right? Right. And they're like, okay, hit fifty thousand should I get out? Right. And my answer is, is that, okay, you're going to get out. You're going to have to pay tax on that, right. Whether it's long or short-term gains. Right. Yeah. Uh, if it's short-term, it's like 40%, which is a shit ton of money. Right? right. And so, you know, you're really making 60% of whatever it is that you think you're, you're making. Cause at the end of the year, you're going to have to pay 40% to the government. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, what are you going to buy and how are you going to know when's the time to go back in? Right. Uh, so if you're in a situation where you don't need that money to live off of, or you don't have another really good alternative to put it in and you still believe in that asset, right? Like you still believe Bitcoin is going to be around in 10 years from now, then you need to be like Warren Buffett somewhat. Warren Buffett will never buy Bitcoin. Right. But his whole idea of compounding, right, is still applicable, right? Yes. In 10 years from now, is it going to be 50,000 or is it going to be a million, right? And what else can you put in your money in that will give you that kind of return? Not too many things that I know. And is it worth the risk? And how much of your money is allocated to this, right? Yes. It's it's a bunch of different things, right? Again, the the point too with that is if you put – in Bitcoin in 2016, let's even say it's 50X. Like December 16, I remember it was 900 a coin. Let's just call it 50, 60X. Like mm-hmm. your net worth likely is different, right? Like if you had a hundred grand, now it's like this, your net worth was this. And now it's like your net BTC is this allocation and you're re- over here. So like, that would be a good time. Like Kelly criterion, that'd be a good time to like shift it. All right, I'm going to put some in the yeah. stock market. I'm going to put some in cash. I'm going to put some in this I'm gonna buy a house and like move that. So you got to kind of, you know, it's like, so Bill Perkins, who's a very good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast twice, you know, trades natural gas. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Shane or not, or heard the name. Just, just I've heard his name, but yes. I'm not familiar. He wrote this book, die with zero. It's really fascinating. 
saying actually. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. I know who he yeah. is. Okay. So yeah. he would say he trades like, you know, he's $20 million swing some days. Like in his fund, he was he was trading John Arnold, yes. the golden boy from uh, from um, Centaurus. I'm sorry, from um, what's that? What's that? That that uh, big company, that Enron. He left Enron before to fan. He's a genius guy, right? Started a fund, but they would always make them take out. So when they would hit a big score, they would make yes. them cash it all out. And then yeah. say, all right, you want to put more back in? Because similar to poker accounts, similar to whatever, until you cash out or take it, it doesn't even seem real sometimes. Like, all right, you got this Bitcoin money that like went up a lot. But it's just like a thing. But go ahead, put that Bitcoin in your, you know, transfer it into like cash and then go ahead and tell me how much you're going to put back into Bitcoin because it doesn't feel real in this deal. And that, that was a huge lesson when he told me, I was like, wow, that's right. Like same thing with poker. If you hit, if you hit a... Uh, if you hit a, big a score, you want to pull it down and then reevaluate because like it should, you you can't just go on autopilot and like, oh, like whatever. It's like, here's this and that. You really need to make constant adjustments and improvements, especially when your your net worth substantially shifts. I think that's really important to not be- Yeah, you, you know, can't have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, like we yeah. Did that, and it right? can change and you can hit a lucky thing, but if you don't capitalize on it, you're just, you can be in the same spot you were. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time. You're gonna get 20, 50 X returns. Like, you know, you Well, gotta, you want to talk about emotional agility, you know, that's the thing, you know, like this guy who has his fund and, you know, watches his fund go 20, 40, $50 million this way or that way. Yeah. Yeah, like it's hard to become desensitized to that. Exactly, right? that's a great word, desensitized. Yeah, it, that's the hardest part, Jeff. You know, again, like I said, it's not about being smart. It's not about even particularly being lucky. It's not about working hard. It's about having the emotional fortitude to follow the rules. Yes. <laughs> right? It's all, it's when all, you want to do something else that you're not, you know, like your emotions are telling you to do, right? It's also... It's also about not chasing and being mentally tough. Like I can say from experience, like I did very well with Bitcoin because I won a tournament in 2016, got paid in Bitcoin, yeah. it was 900 a coin, got out kind yeah. of like randomly because of tax reasons I wanted to get out in 20, that one year, right? That was, I mean, this is, can't yeah. make it up. This was like when 2017 was at the peak, right? 19,000, yeah. got a chunk yeah. out, left some and then rode around with it. But like the point being, you know, on the rise up, like I bought a house. I put some money in sports cards. I did other stuff. Like I don't have as much BTC as like I would have liked. And then all of a sudden it was like, it was it was between eight and 12K for like months, like five months, seven months, six months. All of a sudden it just went nuts. And like, it's so easy to say, oh, like I wish I had more or I could have done this differently. You can't think like that. You can't chase. You have to be realistic it, it and understand. Yeah, you can't because, predict you know, stuff like this exactly. Said, illegal yeah. and that's it. Yeah. It would have been over. Right. right or some you know uh, computer supercomputing gets expedited or someone cracks it like you're still there is risks there is like yeah. percentage chances that stuff could happen and you want to just be be able to pivot and be alert so you know, i think that's important too it's so easy to get frustrated or look at other people too oh this guy you know this wow wow his friend i know did this or they made all this money or you got to be happy for people you want to wish the best for people and you know uh you, you just got to kind of do your best and, and not get too caught up on being results oriented or or timing stuff and just try to make educated good bets make good decisions and and kind of go so you know i think we covered a lot of the topics resilience understanding odds outcomes um you know being not results uh or emotional uh, agility I think that that is um, you know something again we, we sort of been covering and talking about being able to to come through and find ways to get out of a funk if something's not working it's important to stop take a pause get back to neutral and then reshift you know it's like in poker when you're losing or if you're playing a lot and things aren't going well it's not a generally good idea to bet more and chase and try to get there and force it you want to like 
get back to neutral, reset, decide what's sure. going, review, study, you know, take some time, maybe play less tables. You know, if it's in business, maybe focus on one or two things instead of you're trying to do everything. So, yes. you know, I think that's, uh, you know, important to yeah. be like the emotional agility and have that, that, uh, that wherewithal. And that's I think being cool. aware is the biggest thing. You got to be aware because it's so easy to just like go through the motions and just kind of be on autopilot. Like it's, it's important to be aware of what's happening and that that's easier said than done as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's good to have a good partner you know, it's your wife, someone to kind of keep you in check in reality and our business partner. You, you need a support system. Yes. It, it yeah. really, it, even if it's just your friends or if it's someone online or something like that, you know, and a lot of times, you know, in the VC world, if you're a good VC, you can be that for, for a founder. And that might make the difference between a, a winning investment or a losing investment in many cases. Yes, I, I, I completely agree. Well, and uh, I guess, is there any other, you know, we, we covered um, this pretty well. No, I think we got a lot of stuff covered. Yes. <laughs> you know, anyone who wants to start a business has got a long uh, trek and journey in front of them aside from learning how to play poker and all the stuff that we talked about uh hopefully maybe there's a few people out there that this talk really helped and you know really kind of put things in perspective you never know how you affect people so. yes and and what and would you i guess a cl- on to in closing if you were to say someone who is looking to dive into business in general or take like a serious uh, uh, approach or start their own business. So to be there, any advice you would give just uh, as an overview? And again, it's so wide on what you could be doing, whether it's investing. I mean, listen, you know, obviously everything is being geared through tech, um, but, you know, maybe the right time, it might be the right time to be contrarian. You know, all these hospitality uh, businesses have gone out of business uh, or really, you know, except for maybe Florida, maybe Miami, right? Like where all the restaurants are open. But, you know, everybody's moving to Florida. Maybe the right move now is to move to like the big city where you can be, uh, uh, you know, you, you know, like where all the big fish left, right? And you have a better chance of making it. Right. Uh, maybe you can open a restaurant in New York City that because a lot of them have shuttered. Maybe you can open a retail store or a bookstore, you know, something that really no one would think of doing because it's just the worst time to possibly think of doing it right now. That's when you really see some really great results is when people do things that are counterintuitive and they got they got really uh, they get really successful that way. I yeah I agree completely. Well, listen, Shane, it's a it's a pleasure, and, and I hope that we uh, we get to do this again. And you know, people can check out your your website. They can check out uh, the Easy Tech thing. You know, it's just kind of cool. I'm actually going to look into that. It's something I do not do, and I think maybe with my content business would be something very beneficial. Well, we have our number. I'll hook you up. Don't yeah, worry. Let me exactly. <laughs> let me know and uh, give him a follow, guys. On on instagram and of course he is on his website if you want to know more about shane what he has going and, and, and in terms of podcast stuff you do do what is your what is the, the you do you do a regular podcast i know you appear in a lot of podcasts no I, I don't have my own podcast um i something i've been thinking about and a lot of people have asked me about but i got a million other things uh and i have instagram and a lot of other social social media stuff going on I, I write a lot and I write about business and some personal stuff that I go through um, that, you know, people have told me is pretty good. Uh, so awesome. I write a blog uh, and that's mostly what I do right now. 
Very cool. All right. Well, Shane, that is, uh, that's going to be a wrap on number 124 of the podcast here on The Flow Show. I appreciate it very much and look forward to catching Thank up soon. Thank you. This was awesome and super fun. Yeah, Thanks so much. It was really, really good, I, man. Thanks for the time. And then I'll see you soon for uh, some poker lessons and other yeah, some fun stuff. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot. So All right, guys. I'm Shane Neiman, number 124. Please check out his website. It does a lot of content, a lot of info. And I think has a newsletter and some other information you guys can get and, and be a part of. And obviously a lot of interesting insights and in, in business experience. So this was a lot of fun and we'll uh, have some, some other big, big podcasts soon. So thanks for watching guys. Please leave comments below on what you thought. And of course we'll have a Twitter giveaway for some uh, cash and prizes as always. Thanks guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.